What is up, guys? It is Quinn here back with the Fantasy Playmakers. And if you guys missed it in yesterday's video, I talked about five wide receivers who I thought were going to be target monsters in 2022. And those were wide receivers who were going outside of the first two rounds. So if you didn't see that, go check it out. But in today's video, it's going to be the same type of thing, but I'm going to be focusing on the running back position. So just like the wide receiver position, volume is very important for running backs. And so these are going to be three players not five, because it is tougher to find running backs with those workhorse roles. But so basically, these are going to be running backs who are going to be heavily involved in both the run and passing game. They're going to be getting carries. They're going to be getting a decent amount of targets per game. And I mentioned how it's tougher to find this at the running back position, because if you find a running back who is going to be a workhorse, it's very likely that they're going to be going round one. And then if not in round one, they're probably going to be going round two. So these are players who are going in round three or later, who I think can secure workhorse roles on their teams. And that is very tough to find because if you're able to find a running back who's locking down like 15 carries, four plus targets per game, going in rounds three, four, five, that is going to be very, very valuable on your fantasy rosters. So while you guys are watching, if you're enjoying the content, just do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. But let's just jump into the first player who I think will see a ton of volume at the running back position and that is going to be James Conner. Right now, he's being drafted as the running back 15, a late third round pick. And when I'm looking at fantasy football ADP, this is honestly pretty wild to me. I do not understand James Conner going this late, late third round. Going back to last season, he was the RB9 in points per game, averaging 17.2 PPR points per game. And that was while he was in a committee with Chase Edmonds. James Conner was doing this without having the workhorse role. We see Chase Edmonds in free agency go out, sign with the Dolphins. He is gone. Then we see James Conner go out and re-sign with the Cardinals on a three-year, $21 million deal. That is a solid amount of money to give to a running back. We saw Leonard Fournette basically get that exact same deal. So they are committing to him. He is going to be the running back one for the foreseeable future of this team. Then you're looking at the competition in this running back room. He's competing with Eno Benjamin, Keontae Ingram, who is a six-round draft pick in this previous draft, and then Daryl Williams, who they just signed, was kind of like the RB2-3 for the Chiefs the past few years. So this is not like a stacked core behind him. There is not another Chase Edmonds in this running back room. And so now he has less competition than he did in 2021, and now he's supposed to regress from his RB9 finish, and now he's being picked as the RB15. It's just not making sense to me. And I'm not going to come out here and say that like he's going to have a total monopoly of this backfield. He's going to have every carry. He's going to have every target. I'm not saying that. But I also can't sit here and say that he's not going to have a very, very large workload. Because if we look back to last season, when Chase Edmonds was out, Edmonds missed us six games. So it was week nine, week 10, week 11, week 13, 14, and then 18. Week nine, he suited up but I believe he totaled one carry and then got hurt. So basically that's him not playing. So I counted that in a game that he didn't play. But so six weeks, not a huge sample size, but also not a small one. And so in those games without Chase Edmonds, James Conner averaged 26.1 PPR points per game. 26.1. That is insane. That is elite, like high-end running back one production. The only player who's competing with that on a year-to-year basis is Christian McCaffrey, And then in terms of carries and targets, over those six games, he averaged 16.7 carries per game. 
and 5.3 targets. I've heard this narrative that Eno Benjamin is all of a sudden going to be the guy to take away the receiving work. He's going to have the Chase Edmonds role. He had the opportunity to have that last year, or he really didn't have the opportunity. The Cardinals could have given him that opportunity when Chase Edmonds was out. They didn't. In those six games, like I said, James Conner averaged 5.3 targets per game. Eno Benjamin saw seven total targets in those six games. So right now, looking at James Conner, he has legit top five running back potential. And in my eyes, is just a screaming value at this late third round price. He was very reliant on touchdowns last season, got into the end zone 18 times. But like I've talked about, I think he's going to see a pretty solid increase in volume without Chase Edmonds there, especially in the receiving game. So he could regress in touchdowns and still be a locked in top 10 fantasy running back. Injuries have been a concern, but you look back at his five seasons, he's missed an average of 3.2 games per season. Not ideal, but that is just not uncommon at the running back position. Running backs are going to get hurt. So he's not a player that like I'm overly concerned with injury because really if I'm drafting a running back, you have to accept the possibility that there's a decent chance they're going to be banged up throughout the season. So James Conner, in my opinion, is the most like slam dunk running back going outside the top two rounds who I think will have a massive workload this season. And then the other two players I'm going to talk about, I feel like there's kind of this pocket of value here with some of these first year running backs. And one of them's a rookie, one of them's not, but it's basically their first year. I'll talk about them when I get into it. But, you know, we kind of understand these running backs who have been on their teams. For some of these veteran running backs, like we kind of know what we're getting in terms of their workload. You're looking at guys like Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs. You've seen them operate. You've seen that, you know, they're going to get some opportunities, but they're not going to have these workhorse roles. So there's these young options where you haven't seen them in their offenses, and it's possible they don't get that, you know, elite workload, but it's also possible they slot in. We don't know what the teams are thinking, and they just become the guy from day one and absolutely ball out. So that's kind of the risk we're taking here. Outside of like the top three rounds, we're not going to see slam dunk workhorse running backs because there'd be no reason for them going there. So we kind of got to take the risk on some of these players. And the first one I'm going to talk about is Brees Hall, obviously a rookie. He's being drafted as the RB18 in early fifth round pick. And so he was the 36th overall pick in this most recent NFL draft, the first running back off the board. And he really just has everything you want in a running back prospect. Solid size, 5'11", 217 pounds. He's a top athlete, ran a 98th percentile speed score, 94th percentile burst score. And then he was a workhorse for all three of his college seasons. He wasn't one of these guys that started slow, then had a big junior year. I mean, he was the guy from day one, had a massive junior season, 1,774 yards from scrimmage, 23 total touchdowns. And then he is very capable as a pass catcher. He was a you know solid receiving back in all three of his collegiate seasons. He improved on his target share every single year. And then in his final season, he caught 36 passes for 300 yards and three touchdowns. The question here is, how will the Jets utilize him? Like I talked about at the beginning, there's no guarantee he is going to be the workhorse. Because we saw the Jets use a committee last year, you know, featuring Michael Carter, Ty Johnson, and Tevin Coleman. Those were kind of like the main three guys. We saw Michael Carter lead the running backs in carries and targets per game, but it wasn't by a ton. You know, there wasn't an insane margin between him and the next guy. You had Ty Johnson on his heels in the target department, 
And then you had Tevin Coleman, who was close enough in terms of carries per game. So I've kind of seen this argument that Michael Carter is going to be the guy to take away touches from Brees Hall due to his receiving ability. In my opinion, this argument does not make sense. If you want to argue that Brees Hall is not going to be the workhorse, I think the better argument is that the Jets want to use a committee. You saw them use a committee last season, so maybe they want to do that again. They just want Brees Hall to be the leader of that committee. Because in my opinion, Brees Hall is by far the best running back on this roster, and he is better in every area. Michael Carter is not a better receiving back than Brees Hall. I mean, we saw Michael Carter basically split receiving opportunities with Ty Johnson. So I feel like there's this narrative going around that Michael Carter is like this elite receiving back. He is not. I firmly believe that Brees Hall is the better receiving back. So if the Jets actually want to use one you know, key back, Brees Hall is going to be the guy. And it's very possible the Jets saw what they had last season. They saw Michael Carter. They had him in the fourth round. And they went out. They still felt like they needed to bring in Brees Hall. So the workhorse potential is there. And you're really not taking a ton of risk getting him in like the fifth round. Because I feel like kind of worst case scenario, he's like the 1A, 2A committee. Maybe they do just want to use two, maybe three backs. But if Brees Hall is like the 1A, you have uh, Michael Carter as the 1B. That's not the worst thing in the world. You kind of have like a maybe Javante Williams type season where you're not a ceiling play. You're just kind of a solid floor, which in the fifth round, like that would be a little bit disappointing, but you're taking the risk there because it's possible he's the guy and is averaging 15 carries, five targets per game. So that's kind of like the risk reward there of that pick. And personally, I'm willing to take him at that price. And now the third and final running back, who I think will be a workhorse is Travis Etienne. Talked about how it's not his first year, but really it is his first year. He's going off the board as the running back 19, basically just right after Brees Hall. They're just neck and neck in terms of ADP. So he's also going in the early fifth round. And this is another example of just an unknown backfield. We don't know how these guys are going to be deployed. You have ETN coming off of that Liz Frank injury. You have James Robinson coming off of a torn Achilles. We saw James Robinson suffer that injury very late in the season. It was in the final weeks of the regular season. And so there's no guarantee he is going to be ready week one. And not only is there no guarantee he's ready week one, there's no guarantee he's ever going to be back to his previous self. I feel like, you know, like two years ago, you look back, Achilles tear was like the kiss of death. If you got hit with that injury, you were basically done. Everyone gave up on you. And for the most part, like it was reasonable to believe that because a lot of dudes just could not come back from it. And then everyone loves Cam Akers. Cam Akers suffers that injury. He comes back in like record time, plays poorly, and all of a sudden everyone thinks that like an Achilles tear is nothing. It's easy to come back from. This is just not the case. Cam Akers has still not proven that he can be anywhere close to what he was before that injury. So I'm very concerned with James Robinson, and I'm someone who really liked James Robinson. Like prior to the Jaguars drafting Travis Etienne, I was all in on James Robinson to be their workhorse. So I just feel like this backfield is wide open right now. And it looks like Travis Etienne will have the first crack at being like the number one guy. And if he is successful, like say James Robinson's ready to return week four, week five, Etienne has already started to ball out. There's really no reason for them to move Etienne out of that workhorse role. He's going to be the guy for at least two more seasons, three seasons if they pick up that fifth year option. Etienne's a guy who has like clear three down capabilities as a running back. But he also can kind of be used as a wide receiver in creative ways. 
He's a very solid pass catcher. So he's not a guy who has to carry the ball like 18, 20 times a game to have solid volume. He can totally make up for that volume as a pass catcher and, you know, kind of put together like a dual threat production profile. So I think Travis Etienne is another player going in the fifth round who can have really solid volume this season and be a volume monster at the running back slot. So those are the three running backs, James Conner, Brees Hall, and then Travis Etienne. Let me know what you guys think about those players down below in the comment section. If you stayed all the way through, as always, thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next one.